Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Morning, Church. Welcome to this time together. It's great to have you here joining us. Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the book of Proverbs. And two weeks ago, Jared introduced the book to us and told us about the power that our words have. Last week, Linda shared with us about the importance of wisdom. If you missed either of these messages, you can have a look at them on YouTube. They're available there. Today, we're going to look at Proverbs again. But before we get into the passage, I want to share a bit of my life with you. I grew up on a farm and the older I got, the more convinced I was that I wanted to have a career in agriculture. So when I finished high school, I went and did an ag science degree at uni and my goal was to go and work overseas, particularly in Africa, helping the farmers there to develop their agriculture. But then I finished uni and I did get a job in agriculture, but it was here in Australia. And eventually I did also go to Africa, but it was only for about three months. And much of the time that I was there, I was either sick or I was getting over being sick. So I came home from that a bit disillusioned about the whole idea. Moving forward a few years, um, my desire to work overseas grew again. Um, By this time I'd met my lovely wife Hannah, and we decided that pretty soon after we were married, we'd go and work overseas. Now it's five years on from that time and we're still here in Horsham and I'm now working as a school teacher. I'm no longer in the ag sector. And I might add, I'm very happy with these decisions, but they just go to illustrate that life often doesn't turn out how we plan it. There are lots of unexpected twists and turns. I mean, just think of where we're at at the moment. Who would have thought six months ago that we'd now be housebound and that there were people in the supermarkets fighting over toilet paper? The problem is that we just can't see into the future and a lot of the things that are going to be coming at us are out of our control. So it can get a little bit stressful thinking about the future. What sort of things am I going to have to face and overcome and endure? But Jesus says in John 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus calls us, his followers, to a life of peace. But how can we have this outlook in the world in its current state at the moment? Can we really trust God that He will look after us today and into our future. I want to put this question another way. How big is our God? How big is my God? How big is your God? To explore this question a bit more, I'd like to again go to Proverbs today, but this time to chapter 3, verses 5 to 10. Let's read this together. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, 
with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I want to dig into this passage a little bit deeper today and see what it can tell us about how big our God really is. Firstly, let's have a look at the passage as a whole. It's got a whole lot of promises in it and they're the sort that say, if I do this, then God is going to do this in return. Trust in the Lord, submit to him, fear the Lord, honour him with your wealth and he'll make your path straight, he'll give you health, he'll give you wealth. But is this really how it works? In our experience, is, is life this simple, this formulaic? Do this and you'll get this in return. I think we probably all agree that no, life isn't that simple. We've probably had experience in our own lives or in the lives of others where fearing God didn't lead to health or honouring him with our possessions didn't lead to wealth. So what is going on here? To answer this, it's important to remember why Proverbs was written. One commentator said that Proverbs is a boiled-down summation of many generations of experience in living. A boiled-down summation, so a summary of many generations of experience in living. Proverbs is an observation on life in general, so it shouldn't be read as a formula, do this and you'll get this. The second point, because of how Proverbs is written, it's important not to read the verses in isolation, but to consider the context of the whole book and indeed the whole Bible because it's all the inspired word of God. So if we apply these two principles, then we can read this passage and understand it to, to mean that generally life is much better and much more fulfilling when we trust and fear God and honour him with our possessions. And I think that makes good sense. But it isn't a guarantee that life is going to be easy. For a long time, I expected that now that I'm a follower of Jesus, my life would generally be pretty cruisy. I wouldn't have any big problems, and if big problems did come up, then God would take care of those. But then reality got in the way, and these expectations weren't met. And so I started to question God. Why was this happening? But after a while, I realized that a lot of my expectations weren't actually ever things that God promised or intended to do. If we read any part of the Bible, we'll quickly see that a God who fixes problems, who fixes everyone's problems, isn't the experience of any of the characters in there. Think about Moses or David or Paul or Jesus, in particular Jesus. These guys were as faithful as they come, but they had plenty of problems and struggles in life. So I think a lot of our doubts about the reliability and the trustworthiness of God come from false expectations. When God doesn't meet our expectations, we get disappointed, we start doubting, and our God gets smaller. For sure, there are times where he will intervene and fix our problems and let's celebrate these times because it's amazing when he does let's remember them record them and thank God for miraculously intervening in our lives because it's a really amazing experience but let's not 
base our trust on God solely on these occurrences because that's a bit of a shaky footing. I love hiking and I have high hopes that my two-year-old daughter got hiker genes from me and that as she gets older, she's going to love coming out regularly with dad and going on hikes. And it's looking pretty promising at the moment. She loves going on big walk, as she calls it, with dad. And we go all over the place. She scrambles up rocks and a little bit up trees until I stop her going any higher. We go through mud and over sticks and around bushes. And she really enjoys herself. At times she stumbles, might even fall, but I'm always there right next to her making sure that she's safe. Now I could carry her over all these obstacles and just let her walk on the smooth paths, on the concrete where she won't hurt herself. But wouldn't I be doing her a disservice by doing this? Would she ever grow in her ability to hike and come out with dad if I protected her from all these obstacles? No, I don't think so. And I think it's the same with God and with us, his children. Rather than cushion us from all the blows, God often lets us experience them, all the while sticking very close and never leaving our side. Paul, when he was reflecting on his life in Philippians 4, 12 to 13, says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So what can we expect from God? Well, over and over in the Bible, it's repeated that God loves us. He'll never forsake us. He'll remain faithful. He'll strengthen us in the midst of tough times and ultimately he'll make all things work together for good. Psalm 23 verse 4 says it beautifully, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Notice here, there's no indication that the author expects God to pick him out of this dark valley. But there is a sure confidence that God is always with him in this dark valley. So let's trust that God is big and faithful and loving, even when our life circumstances seem to put this into question, because his promises are sure. Let's go back to the passage now, this time to verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Sometimes it can be really hard not to lean on our own understanding, particularly when things aren't going the way we think they should. And to make matters even more complicated, God's logic often doesn't seem to line up with the logic of our society. Jesus says things like, the first will be last, the greatest will be the least, love your enemy, sell all your possessions and give to the poor. And then in this Proverbs passage, lean not on your own understanding. By the standards and values of our society, living like this would be insane. But as the author John Bloom says, we're resting our intellect on the intellect of God. Nothing is wiser or saner. 
God made this world and he made us. What can be wiser than following his guidance and his principles as we navigate our way through it? John Bloom calls it the joyful sanity of trusting the Lord. I really liked that when I read it. The joyful sanity of trusting the Lord. So as followers of Jesus, the path we go and the decisions that we make might not look logical to the society around us, but that's okay. If it's the path that God has told us to take, then that is the best path for us to be on. Hebrews 11 verse 8 says, By faith Abraham, when called to go a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Abraham faced many hardships as he went where God told him to go, but God was with him, and because of making this choice of following God's guidance, Abraham became the founding father of the nation of Israel. So how big is our God? If he is as big as we profess him to be, if we claim that he really is in control of everything, including our future, then let's reflect this in our lives by following his leading, even if it goes against worldly logic and we might not be able to lean on our own understanding. I know this brings up a whole lot of other questions, like how can we know what God's will is? How can we tell if something is from God? Or even, how can we hear from God? And we can't go into all those questions here. But I think the more we cultivate our relationship with God, the more we get to know Him, the more we are going to see the world through His eyes and become in tune with Him. And this is going to help us to understand this a lot better. The last verse that we're going to look at in our Proverbs passage, or the last verses, are verses 9 and 10. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Verse 9 says to honour the Lord with our wealth. What does this look like? How big is our God when it comes to our finances and our possessions? Can we trust him to really look after us in this area of our lives? I was brought up to be very careful with my money. I like to know where it goes and what I spend it on. That is, except for house renovations, then it seems to roll out the door and down the road to the hardware store in a continuous stream. But I think renovations are in a box of their own. In general, I think it's quite a good trait to have to know where where your money's going. But it can also go a little bit too far. For example, I like to know that I always have a nice buffer in the bank in case there are any any unforeseen circumstances that are going to come my way. What does this say about where my trust is? Is this how God wants us to live, always having a backup plan? I know this is a really tricky subject because there is a delicate balance here. We're called to be good stewards of what we're given, but at the same time, we're called to be generous. So how much do I rely on this buffer for my security 
rather than on God and his provision. This is particularly relevant at the moment with all the job insecurities and pay cuts. People are having to redo their budgets. We've just recently redone ours and often when we do this and things are looking a little bit tight, one of the first things that I think is we'll have to cut back giving to the church and to people in need. Is this the right attitude to have? Or would I reflect a greater dependence on God if I said, no, our giving's going to stay the same because we want to be generous and we want to put our trust in God and in his provision. Now, I don't in any way want to say that there is one right answer here because all of our situations are different. But I do think that this is a really important thing for all of us to ask ourselves in this part of our lives. How big is my God when it comes to my finances? Do I trust that he will really provide for me and my family? God actually says to the Israelites to test him in this. Honour God with your possessions and he'll bless you. Now this can easily be taken too far and I think often it is because it shouldn't be about how much we give or how much we get in return. God is much more focused about our heart attitude and I think that is where our focus needs to be as well. Does the way that I handle money show how big God is and that I can trust him to provide for all my needs? Bring this question up with God and see what he says. So how big is our God? Actually, maybe a better way to ask this question is how big are we letting God be? Because God doesn't change, but are we limiting him in our lives? Are we trusting him when times get tough and things look uncertain? Are we letting him dictate our decision-making process even when it doesn't line up with the logic of society? Are we trusting him to provide for us financially, to look after us and meet all our needs? These are big and challenging questions and I find it really easy to get discouraged and to think that I'm just not up to scratch. But it's okay. More and more I'm learning that God sees this all as part of our growth. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. Sorry, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. We're being transformed. We don't need to have arrived already. Like the Father that he is, God rejoices in our growth. So I invite you to press deeper and deeper into relationship with God, experiencing his trustworthiness, learning just how big he is. Even when life is tough and takes unexpected turns, God offers us peace and joy and a solid assurance that he is always with us. If we would just dare to step out into the unknown and trust that our big loving father will be right there to catch us. So everything that we've looked at here is an invitation to follow Jesus. You may have clicked online because you're part of our community. Maybe it was out of interest or maybe you're looking for hope and assurance in this time of uncertainty. 
if this is you today, you might like to kneel or stand where you are and acknowledge that you want to follow Jesus, that you want to declare him as your Lord and Saviour. If this is you, then please pray with me now. King Jesus, you are God's Son. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, for raising again on the third day. You defeated death and you paid the price to restore my relationship with Father God. Thank you that you have forgiven my sins. I turn from them now and I turn to you. I want to follow you from this moment forward and have you as the Lord of my life. Thank you for accepting me and giving me new life. Pray all these things in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. If you've just prayed this prayer and made this decision, that's really exciting and we'd love to hear from you. So please leave a comment below or email your details to life at horsham.org.au and someone from our team will contact you this week just to connect you into the faith community and help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. But thank you all so much for joining us today.